Hi pals, my name is Soph and this is This Composed Mess. I am so happy you're here. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you have listened to the past two episodes, this is episode three and I'm happy you're here no matter what. I kind of wanted to just dive in. I use they them pronouns. I am a non-binary queer lesbian and I'm here to talk about stuff. I would love to tell you specifically what I'm talking about um, in summary, like give you a good synopsis of what this podcast really is. But alas, I can't do that because I have ADHD and just kind of go all over the place. But I did want to talk this week about childhood, right? Like when we say childhood, really, what does that mean? I think um, we don't really get to know each other by our childhood. Like I feel like childhood is often a sensitive topic and like you don't really look at someone like, let me talk about your childhood. Like that's something you talk about in therapy a lot of times. I mean, if you had an excellent childhood to each their own but I know I talk about childhood sometimes in therapy so I figured best way to know me would just be talking about childhood but also I I'm really lucky I had a pretty good childhood I just feel like there's plenty of stories there that kind of are monumental to who I am as a person now and maybe when we're listening to this we're just going through some reflection maybe you're sitting here like oh yeah so if I felt the same way and maybe now you're queer like oh that makes sense um So here's a time for reflection. Here's a time for just sitting back, listening to what I have to say. I will say the mic quality is a little bit better. I did cave. I bought like a $20 microphone on Amazon because I just, I felt the need to. I felt like you need to hear my crisp voice. So if the audio is better, you're welcome. If it's not, don't tell me that because I spent 20 bucks on my hard-earned money. Um, But yeah, without, without further ado, pals, let's dive right into just talking about childhood, right? Here we go. A little bit just like about me, right? Okay, so I think one of the most monumental moments I have about talking about childhood is that I was obsessed with Peter Pan. This is like, this is important, okay? I was obsessed with Peter Pan. And not like, you know, like childhood obsession of like, I have an action figure of Peter Pan and like, I love him so much and I talk about him a lot. Like, we're talking about an obsession, okay? It started around the age of three, if I'm not mistaken. I should have done my research and, like, reached out to Nancy before this, but alas, here we are. That's this composed mass. You really thought I was, like, super organized? So, like, um, but I was obsessed with Peter Pan around three. I decided I wanted to be him for Halloween, so my mother decided ever so craftily in the 90s to make a beautiful Peter Pan costume because they didn't sell them at the time. So, like, she pulled out, like, the velvet, okay? Like, the green velvet tunic, found the tights, made me a velvet hat. Like, we, we went all out on Peter Pan, okay? It, w- it was a serious topic in our household for a three-year-old. And on top of having the outfit, I just was obsessed with him and the fact that there was no Peter Pan action figures or Peter Pan anything. Like, the Disney store was thriving, and yet they didn't have, like, a Peter Pan plushie at the time. If if the children nowadays were obsessed with Peter Pan, you bet they would have made Peter Pan plushies, but that wasn't a thing. So instead, the obsession grew to the point that I wanted Peter Pan to be with me at all times. And, you know, end of the 90s, I'm a 97 baby, so this is, like, you know, 90s, 2000s, beginning, fresh. Um, I was so obsessed that we decided we were going to give me a Peter Pan peanut butter jar, okay? Because that had Peter Pan on it. The irony of this story is that I am allergic to peanut butter. So we had duct taped the Peter Pan peanut butter jar um, so that I could carry some form of Peter Pan around. But alas, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the Peter Pan that my childhood self wanted. It wasn't like the fun action figure, but I was obsessed to the point that I still carried that Peter Pan peanut butter jar all the time, all around. 
And then it got to the point that I wanted to sleep with a beer pan peanut butter jar, which I did do, which my parents, you know, were, were, um, craftily trying to come up with a way to not let me do it. But my stubborn Leo childhood self was obsessed with Peter Pan and I was going to sleep with the peanut butter jar. So <laughs> it got to the point that, um, I was sleeping with the Peter Pan peanut butter jar and my mom had created this beautiful Peter Pan outfit for my third Halloween and I continuously kept wearing the Peter Pan outfit and I wanted to be Peter Pan. Like I didn't want to be Tinkerbell. No, 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 no. If I, if I wanted to be anything, I wanted to be Peter Pan. If I'm not mistaken, this went on for about two to three years. Like I should, I should find photos specifically of me being obsessed with Peter Pan because it's a, it's a whole thing. Okay. Um, to the point that my mother had to like every year alter the costume because I was growing and I still wanted to be Peter Pan for Halloween, but I didn't just want to be Peter Pan for Halloween. Like I wanted to be Peter Pan in general. Um, the best part about this story, right? Okay. And I made a TikTok on this like a while ago and people thought it was really funny, but I was obsessed with Peter Pan and my name is Sophia, right? I go by Soph. It's not a dead name to say Sophia. I just, I go by Soph. And I was so obsessed with Peter Pan that my parents later tell me that I could have been named Peter. That was like the name they had for me if I was born biologically a man. And my last name is Pan Zabjabja, right? Okay. So I would have been Peter Pan. Thank goodness I wasn't born a man because my parents did not put two and two together until like years later of me being older and then be like, yeah, you would have been Peter. And I was like, Peter Pan. So, I mean... In true manifestation, I think that we just manifested I needed to be obsessed with a Peter in my life because I wasn't named Peter. But, like, that kind of is my childhood dynamic, right? Like, I had parents that literally adored me, and I adored them to the point that they let me sleep with a Peter Pan peanut butter jar, okay? They let me do it because they knew that I would be screaming and hollering if it didn't happen. They also knew that I had to be Peter Pan for Halloween every single year for a couple years, and my mother... God bless her soul. Um, she's still alive, by the way. But, you know, like, God bless Nancy. She literally altered that costume, I think, for three to four years. And, like, finally I grew out of that stage. But that is, like, a monumental moment of my childhood of, like, I got things to go my way. And it just sticks out to me as a story of, like, that is where my love for movies, my love for Disney grew. Like, that is just, that's a lot of, like, my childhood self is within Peter Pan not wanting to grow up. Um, and I just, I think about that often. So I felt like that was a story that I needed to kick off this podcast with of like, let's talk about childhood, Peter Pan, like Peter Pan was my childhood. Okay. Like there were other things about my childhood, but Peter Pan was the center, like the epicenter of my childhood nineties years. So I wanted to start with that, but we will, we will continue moving forward. Okay. Awesome. I, I've, I'm a Midwest baby. Okay. I have literally been in the Midwest my entire life. Like, besides the fact I moved to Disney World for, like, a year or two in my 20s, but I have grown up in the Midwest my whole life, and that's kind of another part of my identity, right? Like, my parents uh, had me, and I was grown up, I grew up for two years in one part of Illinois, and then I moved to another part of Illinois, maybe, like, an hour and a half away, really not far away, but I think about the fact that I have parents that have really been together for quite a long time and continuously love each other. It's really adorable. They still hold hands at restaurants, yada, yada, yada. Um, but that's kind of like an epicenter of where my identity lies in family and like how important it was and the fact that we have been so close-knit my entire life growing up. And I just, I think about that often in the fact that I consistently wanted to have that loving bond that my parents have. And I'm really lucky I have it even with them and with my brother and we all get along really well. 
but I just think about also like being a Midwest person, trust me, like you don't realize how nice Midwest people are until you leave the Midwest, okay? Like there's some sort of hospitality that we have, um, some sort of just like understanding towards one another that I don't think a lot of like other parts of the nation specifically have. That's not to bash the U.S. in general. I mean, we know how I feel about the U.S., but I think about that in the fact of like, my childhood identity really is like being a Midwest kid growing up in the 90s and early 2000s. And I say that because I really grew up with a lot of film and this kind of all transitions to one another. So I grew up without TV. Um, after age of two, my parents turned off cable, right? Like we still, we still had TV in the fact that we watched movies, but there was no sort of cable. Um, they were practical in the fact that when we watched TV, it was that the episodes were about 40 minutes long and it was 20 minutes of commercials. And as a kid, you're just asking for things that you don't really even want. It's just that you've been brainwashed to watch these commercials and be like, I need this because other kids have this. So we didn't have any form of I guess, Disney Channel, anything like that, cable, we didn't have it. So growing up, I watched a lot of movies. And a lot of those movies were Disney movies. Don't get me wrong, I watched Peter Pan probably like twice a week. But we also grew up on like vintage movies. And the reason I say that is we are a Midwest family. My grandparents have been in the Midwest and my grandparents owned a Laserdisc store. And if y'all don't know what Laserdiscs are, that's fine. I guess a really easy way to explain it is picture a record, not picture putting that into your TV as a movie form, and that's what a Laserdisc is. So very, very big disc, Laserdisc, very, you know, hip and trendy, but that's what people would watch movies on before beta discs, before VHS, and then DVDs, and then Blu-ray, and now we have all streaming platforms, and like, does pe- do people even have DVD players anymore? But what I'm saying here is that I grew up on, like, Laserdisc movies and old film and um I didn't really have like stereotypically cable and so a lot of my favorite movies ended up being like Alfred Hitchcock films and 16 Candles and Pretty in Pink and Ferris Bueller's Day Off and a lot of those films take place in Chicago which is like right around where I grew up like I I was next door neighbors to um the high school that's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off right like I I knew it well and that was like a monumental part of my childhood was seeing all these movies and film and being like I want to be like them when I grow up like these Midwest teenagers are so cool like even if it was like filmed in the 80s and 90s I was like I want to be them when I grow up um I didn't realize that like 2010 kids were going to be a lot different than uh, 90s kids but besides the point um that was just like a big part of my childhood and my identity and still a big part of my like childhood identity and still a big part of me as a person like I can quote the entire movie of Ferris Bueller stayed off like don't get me wrong but I think about like Growing up in the Midwest, having family that was really close-knit, watching movies instead of cable, I think, really helped a ton as a kid of, like, I guess, having so much more time to, like, get to know people, and it was, like, a bonding thing. Like, I was watching movies that my parents enjoyed, and we were watching them together versus, like, being sat in front of the TV and just digesting media that, like, my parents didn't even want to watch. It was just, like, a way to distract me. Um, is huge. And so as I'm talking about all this, a big part, you know, we're talking about my parents and stuff is my younger brother. And I kind of want to talk about him a little bit because we love him, adore him. And he played, he played a big part in my childhood too. So awesome.
oh, I'm talking about, you know, family and dynamic and stuff, but I will say that my younger brother was huge, right? Like when my brother showed up, um, we were a family of four and that's like a stereotypical, you know, family dynamic, American family. But, um, he has tolerated so much growing up with me. Like I, I adore him so, so much. And I, I want to talk about childhood and him because we grew up with like a really fun dynamic. I for sure was absolutely terrible as a teenage sister to him. Um, as teenage sisters often are specifically older siblings, but, um, we just have like a lot of funny stories that I think are fun to share. And, um, Damon will eventually be on the podcast with me, but, um, we had a lot of like traumatic, um, pet deaths as a child. And I know I shouldn't be laughing about these, but like, this is, this you got, you guys signed up for this type of podcast. So here we go. Um, but we had a hamster and a fish and there's stories that need to be told, right? Okay. And I think it'd be funny to hear his perspective eventually, but I'm still going to share them because, um, as I'm talking about like having a family that didn't really have like a lot of problematic things going on. Um, these are like core memories of like problematic things or like events that happened because we were really well off in the fact that like not a lot of crazy things happened to us as kids. Like we were really, you know, middle-class suburban Midwest children. Um, but we did get hamsters. Okay. I feel like a lot of people have a hamster story. Like I took a death and dying class in, um, undergraduate and, we had a lot of like pet death stories and I don't mean to laugh, but like we got, we got to make light of the situation. So a lot of people have a hamster story. I'd love to hear some of them in reviews and comments. Please let me know. But, um, so we had gotten two hamsters from my aunt. My aunt had gotten two hamsters and she didn't realize they were, um, different sex and they made it and had quite a lot of children. And so we begged my parents to get hamsters and me and my brother got, um, a hamster piece, right? I will be honest, I don't remember the name of my hamster, and I don't think Damon remembers the name of his hamster either, but um, because they were siblings and then bred, um, like my aunt's hamsters were siblings and bred, um, they, the siblings that we, the children that we got, um, had a lot of issues, right? Okay, they're hamsters, right? We're not going to get too much into all the issues they had, but um, they had one of them being albino and the other one, quote unquote, was regular. And I just, we loved them so, so much. But uh, around like a year into having them, we started to realize that their eyes were getting bigger. Like, and I don't know how to explain this, right? Like you, I think I was eight, my brother was six. So like, maybe we were a little older, but I can't really like explain the fact when you realize your hamsters, like eyes get bigger, you're like, something's going on here. But like, you don't actually want to tell your parents. Cause like you don't want to alarm them that something's going on with your hamster. Cause you love your hamster and don't want the hamster to be taken away. Cause you've already begged them for the hamsters. So, um, besides the fact the hamster's eyes were getting bigger and something was going on, but me and my brother didn't know what. <laughs> and, um, we woke up one morning to see our mother, like, hiding these hamsters and we're like what's going on like these were hamsters we loved okay like um we we made forts for them we fed them live cicadas if we want to talk about me being queer the fact that I was never scared of bugs and like always wanted to give bugs to my hamster like besides the point okay now that we're talking about gender norms and I'm getting off topic but <laughs> we came um to my mom like looking at the cage one day we're like what's going on and she's like don't worry about it it's fine like your hamsters are okay um 
And we like went on the third day to later figure out that our hamsters had died of glaucoma. Okay. These hamsters eyes had bulged out of their head and exploded. So, um, we, we can laugh about it now, but, uh, my childhood self was quite traumatized by this story. Okay. Like I, I can't even express to you how traumatic it was. Um, the best part about it is that these hamsters had passed away and my mother had put them in the freezer. Okay. Because it was winter. And in the Midwest, you can't break ground to bury a hamster in the middle of December. So, uh, um, <laughs> they, they were in the freezer for a while. Um, we kind of forgot about them. And so my hamsters never got a proper burial because come around May, uh, I think, I think one of my family members just threw them out. So that, that's a monumental story <laughs> in my childhood of just like, Something traumatic that happened that we can laugh about now, but we just, pet deaths were a thing, okay? That, that's the hamster story, okay? I got a fish story, too. This is a good one. Okay, get ready. Then we're talking about a fish story, right? Okay, so um, we were going to talk in an episode about me going to a YMCA camp and, like, Christianity and religious deconstruction, so we're not going to dive too much into that right now, but I went to camp every summer, and my brother went to camp every summer, and for some reason, traumatic things kept happening when we were away at camp. Like, I don't know what in the world decided, like, you're going to go enjoy your summer, and then you're going to come back, and, like, a traumatic thing is going to happen in your life. Um, um, but we're going to talk about that at a different time. So we're going to talk about my fish. Okay. I was obsessed with my fish named Leopold. He was a blue and red beta fish and I loved him very dearly. I say I loved him very dearly, but like I never cleaned the tank. My mother did. So, you know, that's the, that's the type of childhood love we're starting at. I think I was 13. So like I was for sure old enough to like know how to take care of a fish and would get really paranoid anytime that like you know, my fish wasn't doing well. I would be very upset about it, but like I didn't have the initiative as a teenager to like take care of my fish. So I went away to camp and I was super excited to come back to see Leopold, right? And I came home to look in my fish tank and look at the fish and like Leopold did not look like Leopold, okay? Like Leopold was looking a little fishy. <laughs> wow, I think I'm a lot funnier than I actually am. Um, but Leopold was was looking sus, okay? He did not look like the Leopold that I knew and remembered. And so part of my memory was like, you know what? Maybe Leopold just looks a little bit different than you remember. Like, it's okay. Like, you've been gone for a week and a half. Or maybe it was a week. Maybe it was two weeks. I can't remember. Um, but, you've been, but you've been gone for a little bit of time. So, if, like, give yourself... It's going to be okay. It's just Leopold. Um, but about, like, an hour in, I kept looking at Leopold and I was like... Leopold does not look like Leopold. And so I realized that a different fish was in the tank than Leopold. And so I had looked at my mother and I asked my mom, um, this isn't Leopold. And my mom was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Of course this is Leopold. And I was like, I don't, I don't think it is mom. Like, did something happen to Leopold? She's like, I'm so sorry Leopold passed away when you were at camp and I got really nervous and I didn't want you to be stressed. So I just, I got Leopold the second, um, because I think my mom had like remembered the hamster story and like me being the Leo that I am, I was like making it into a huge deal. And I think she just knew confessions of a teenage drama queen had just came out and I was obsessed with a movie and I really wanted to be dramatic and could have made this into a whole entire story time, which I do later in life. Hi mom. What's up? Um, but I had Leopold II. You know, Leopold II made it for quite a bit of time. But those are just, like, childhood pet death stories, which I don't know why I find so much, like, 
I find laughter in them because I know that like, don't get me wrong. It, it's not going to be perfect. Like it's, it's a pet doll story, but for some reason they just really stick out as like moments in childhood of realizing like the world isn't perfect and that's okay. Um, but those are, those are the two, the two pet death stories you're going to get. Okay. Other ones are going to be actually dramatic and like that stuff that I will talk about, um, at my own time, not on a podcast, but I really wanted to kind of share those with y'all. Um, and now we'll just, you know, we'll talk about other stuff besides the pet deaths. So another big part of like my childhood was being Italian. I know that, that might seem like really basic of like, yeah, no doubt. Okay. Like your heritage plays a role in the person you are, but like being Italian was like the epicenter of my childhood. Right. Okay. So like I, although I wasn't raised Catholic, like I grew up in the Italian traditions. I have a Nana and a Poppy who I still love very dearly. Um, but like, that was like a big part of my identity was being able to see them every week we would go to pizza on Fridays and then have like Sunday night dinners and it would change between houses, but mostly it was between my parents' house and then my non and Poppy's house. And I just, I remember those memories like fondly, right? Like I talked about watching Laserdisc movies with my non and Poppy, but just a big part of it with like growing up was community and having like that close knit family system. And I want to bring that up because I look back at childhood, like I was so lucky, right? Like, and I love my grandma and grandpa and my other, like my mom's side of the family, but a lot of the time spent was with my Italian, like grandparents and my Italian family. And we ate a lot. Like, I think the best way to describe our family was a lot of food. Like garlic bread was always a thing, no matter what time of day it was. When I saw my Nana and Poppy, my Nana was making garlic bread. Um, But also just like that family system of like, talking and growing up and like always having an event to go to or just like a dinner to go to and like I didn't do things with my friends on Friday nights until I was like maybe 16 17 because I valued like that time with my family um that was just like ingrained with me in a like a really young age and I talk about those memories fondly but I also like to bring it up because like I know when I came out as queer a big part of like my identity was being that Italian structure of, like, you tell your family everything, like, and maybe it was also, like, you say you tell your family everything, but you're really just, like, focused on family time, and, like, as a kid, you're not really talking, but you're still around your family, and then you come out with this, like, big important news, and I hadn't really talked to, like, my non-immediate family about it and like coming out and that was something that was like really scary of like okay well I'm just gonna kind of put it on social media and see what happens and like I'm really lucky that I have a family that still like loves and supports me but we're talking about growing up and like queer identity on this podcast I like kind of explaining that like I understand that close-knit family structure and how scary it can be to jump out of the norm right like we we are some people that create family and if you've grown up in like a closeness family and then you're saying something that maybe isn't the norm in that family dynamic it can go one of two ways right I am really lucky that it went in the great way of like my family still loves and accepts me I still have family dinners like granted I came out of the pandemic and family dinners aren't crazy but it can go the other way too and so I I like to bring that up because I want to show a different side of myself of like telling y'all that I understand where you're coming from if you're from a close-knit family and it didn't go the way you wanted to when it came, you, like, you came out. And um, media portrays this like beautiful coming out story for quite a lot of people and like how great it is and how family still loves and accepts you. But like that isn't always the case, right? So I know I'm jumping into like a different, a different vibe of like what I had been saying in the past. But um, I, think, I think it's important to talk about. Like we, 
as humans crave family and interaction. And I was raised in a way to crave family and um, not be an intention seeker, but be someone that creates like a community and wants to be a part of a community because that's what I was raised upon in a really young age. And I love creating community. And so I just want to take a second to say, if you're listening, I am happy you're here. Like, I am so happy to have a community within itself of y'all being here and we're creating our own family. Like, that's something that I like to talk about, too. Um, So that's my pause within it of, like, talking about family structure, talking about being Italian, but also, like, taking a second to sit in the uncomfortability of bringing up that if you're feeling isolated from your family, I got you. Got a family right here. Okay, let's keep talking. So, like, another big part of, like, my my childhood self is Disney, and I bring that up because I'm for sure going to talk about, like, I used to work for Disney. I loved the mouse, and I, I still do love the mouse, so don't get me wrong, um, but a big part of childhood was Disney, and kind of the dynamic of it is that um, my parents were, I think I was about... I don't know, I had to have been, I think, seven, because Damon, my brother, was only, like, five, I think, the first time we went to Disney World, but it started because my nana and poppy owned this Laserdisc store, we watched a ton of Disney movies, and we were obsessed with them, and um, we grew up on Disney films, and so I think my grandparents also had a love for Disney, you know, they took my dad and um, my aunts and uncles to Disney at a young age, too, but um, my my poppy like knew knew the Disney dynamic, right? And so my parents, I don't think really. It's not that they don't want to take us to Disney. It was just like, okay, our children like ah, uh, we have a scaredy cat daughter who's probably not gonna want to go on any rides, and like, how are we gonna navigate it? And it's expensive. Um, but I was at the age of like, I loved all things Disney. I had a Disney karaoke machine. If anyone else had a Disney karaoke machine that like plugged into your TV with, you know, the red, yellow and white cords, please let me know. Um, but I was obsessed with Disney. And so my grandparents had came to my mom and dad and were like, Hey, we would love to take your children to Disney world. And my mom and dad were like, well, we want to come too. Um, which is just like, Something I think the dynamic there is like absolutely wonderful. So we all planned our first trip to Disney World and I vividly remember the whole entire trip. Um, We stayed at the Wilderness Lodge, which has like a concierge floor, which we didn't know about the first time we went. But like we stayed at the Wilderness Lodge and just fell in love with the whole dynamic of number one, Wilderness Lodge. Number two, like if you stayed in the hotels at the time, you had different park hours. Um, it It was just a whole like entire world that I was exposed to at a young age of like Disney being able to believe in something bigger than myself to have an imagination to um find like happiness in little things and I was scared of everything do not get me wrong my five-year-old brother was just tall enough to go out to Space Mountain but I was terrified of it and um we went to Disney multiple years where like I did not want to go on any rides and it actually came to the point that we stopped going to Disney because like I wouldn't want to go on rides and my parents were like, we can't just leave you like this. You're not, you're not, we're not fully enjoying a vacation. Um, but I digress. Like Disney was a huge part of childhood and I'm so thankful to have my, um, grandparents that got to take me to Disney. And I then later in childhood got to work at Disney and take my grandparents and take my parents. And, um, it came full circle, but A thing about me as a person is I think because Disney was so monumental, I grew up with the narrative that there is a princess and a prince and they will fall happily like 
in love and that is how the world works right and that's not to say that like my parents did a bad job at raising me to not be open-minded or like I don't want to say that at all but I just fell in love with Disney movies to the point that I was like I will find my prince charming at one point and that kind of like for sure in my teenage years and for sure even in like my 18, 19, 20, 21, I was consistently searching for my Prince Charming because I saw this stuff on Disney like media and I was like, this is how the world works. Like my Prince Charming will come and I still was watching Disney movies and I was like, Mr. Right will show up. Um, plot twist, Mr. Right didn't show up. Mrs. Right showed up and I am so thankful to be in the situation I am now with my partner. Um, but I think like what we forget is how important our childhood is and um if it isn't great like it doesn't mean it's not important but I don't want to say like your your childhood shapes you as a person fully that's not true um so many things shape you as an individual but I think childhood for sure like plays a role in the type of person we are as we get older or the type of person that we don't want to be as we get older right like depending on the people that you're surrounded with and I know for sure the person I am now is because of the childhood I had in all of the best ways and I'm just I'm so thankful for that and I really wanted to take like a episode to talk about it because um we don't talk about childhood like enough in general and like normalize it right like we just we don't so I know I've been talking for a while and I just, I, I want to say thank y'all for being here. Um, it, it's been like a really cool launch to just talk about like things without feeling the need to jump cut everything or be super filtered. And I hope that it feels like almost like a one-sided FaceTime call, or maybe it's a two-sided FaceTime call and you've just been like, yeah, so like talking back to me the entire time. And that's, that's what I want to hear. Um, and I, I do know that in the world we're living in currently, right, it is, March 7th, I'm recording and I know that we are, we're feeling isolated. Um, maybe, maybe you're not depending on the part of the world you're living in. Um, but there's this sense of like new hope while also feeling hopeless. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just, I know from the environment that I'm working in and the amount of people that I interact with on a daily basis while trying to be, you know, socially responsible and aware of the world we're living in that, there is this sense of like new hope of like looking forward to things that um, we're, we're excited about and how the world is, we're getting better and we're changing, but also like this sense of like, how long is this going to continue going forward? And when I'm talking and just having conversations with y'all, I hope that it's a sense of like open communication of checking in. How's our day going? If it's not going great, that's okay. Um, I'm here for all of y'all and this Kamos mess is really kind of the premise of like, we're living messy lives right now and we are doing our best. Like we are trying so hard to be composed, but like it ain't easy. And I get that. And I wholeheartedly understand that. I am here for y'all as I talk more and more. And, um, I, I promise there are other episodes too that are, they're going to range, you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk about all things dinosaurs. I'm excited to talk about all things espresso. I'm also excited to have my friends and my family members on here to talk about, you know, the, the way that they have found me or the way that they have seen my identity change and grow into being this queer person. And I think when we, we talk about childhood, a lot of that, 
um, comes up in different ways, right? Like the way that I cope with uh, my childhood pet deaths or just growing up in an Italian family. And we, we, we talk about childhood really not that much, right? Like, no, I don't think a starting question when you're getting to know someone is like, tell me about your childhood. I don't even think I really ask like my partner, tell me about your childhood, but it's, it's really interesting to see how it affects the person that you are currently seeing. Um, I, I didn't want to dive too much into like my teenage years because that, that'll be a whole nother topic for a different time. But I do hope that, um, by talking a little bit about childhood, you're getting to know me as a person and maybe you're taking a little bit of time to take the week to say, Oh, wait a minute. What did, what did, what am I forgetting in my childhood that probably like shaped me in all the best ways to be the person I am now? Or what am I holding on to memory wise? And like, why is that so joyful? Like it's, it's fun to look back. Like Disney is a big part of my joy. So I appreciate all of y'all for being here. I hope the audio is a little bit better than the past and I look forward to our future together, future stories, future adventures, future episodes, and hope y'all have a great week and thanks for listening. Okay. Bye pals. This is Soap and you were listening to this composed mess. Bye.